Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we are going to be looking at Spider-Man comics from July of 1984. That's right, and unfortunately, uh, G.I. Jolie could not be with us this week, but Adam Pelche can be with us. Hi, Adam. How you Woo! doing? Hey, Mike. I- I'm relieved. I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, Adam Pelche is with us. But, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, maybe next time. So, yeah, so, you know, we're celebrating because it's now the alien black costume saga. We're, uh, what is it, two months in now, three months in. So we thought we'd have you back on again. Um, Adam, what do you know about Spidey's alien costume? Oh, uh, pretty much everything. Like, when I was 10 or 11, I was obsessed with the whole symbiote storyline. It was kind of my introduction to Spider-Man. So there's a lot of nostalgic rose-tinted glasses for this which may have been a little bit shattered but we'll talk about that later (laughs) okay so um and and just for the record we always talk about the design are you a fan of the black costume design oh i love the costume it's minimalist streamlined iconic i think it's great compared to the red and blue though you can't beat the classic Right, right. I'll agree with you there. But I would say, I think I can say for the record, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but of all the superheroes in history, if you're going to talk about a non-main costume, Spidey's got to have the best one. Like, I can't think of another superhero with kind of like a, a second costume that ever compared to this, except maybe Wolverine's brown and orange costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is something you guys put a lot of thought to, if you have a lot of sleepless nights because of this but do you guys have are there any other costumes you can think of that beat the original josh can no, you think of any i don't think so no right. for, for spidey no I, or I anyone no not. like if you think about like um, you know like superman anyone are there any superheroes you can think of that have like maybe a secondary co- costume that's as popular as this one i don't think so does when uh, uh, superman has a mullet count <laughs> See, yeah that counts and that's definitely one that's not as good as this one right yeah, no. I feel like maybe the only other one, like you said, would be Wolverine and possibly Batman, because Batman has a lot of like famous costumes. Variation? Like he's he's famous for having like all black with like the you know with right. either yellow or blue or having like the colorful blue costume. That's a good point. So so maybe, but I feel like um, I feel like with like the Dark Knight and how. Batman has been kind of like updated for today's audience. He's just more well known for having an all black costume where right. Spidey, I think, has the most famous alternate costume. Right, right, right. All right. So we are, you know, speaking of awesome costumes, we're actually once again, we have the benefit of reading a comic drawn by the co-designer of the black costume, Rick Leonardi, just like last month. Mm-hmm. So, um, we got a Rick Leonardi cover here. Um, Adam, are you familiar with Rick Leonardi's art at all? Uh, only through the black costume storyline. So I have a okay. little bit of familiarity from it. But like I said, that's going back when I was 11, 12, something like that. All right. So for starters here, I, it's actually been a long time since I read this issue. Did you guys have any guess of who the mysterious villain was on the cover here before we read the story? Uh, I or- thought... 
I thought mate like I, I didn't even also realize that it was a villain at first like okay he just kind of says like back off so I thought maybe there was like some conflict between heroes because it kind of like looks like Iceman a little bit on the cover okay, okay so I'm like oh maybe maybe like Iceman you know has a guest appearance and they have like in every issue with two heroes meeting for the first time they're gonna like tussle and be enemies before they team up and become friends so i'm thinking like maybe that's what's happening here but i didn't yeah i didn't realize that it was like a character that that they're trying to hide from us okay what about you adam no i'm in the same boat as josh i i just thought it was supposed to be Iceman, or maybe oh. it was going to be silver surfer i don't know why does okay. silver surfer need a battle van take it into space i don't know why <laughs> No, it's, it's funny because even though I'd read this, it's been so many years, I actually thought it was the Punisher because it says, hey, the battle van is mine. I'm thinking, well, I know the Punisher has a battle van. So I thought maybe the Punisher uh. was back. I don't know. Completely. But yeah, so anyway, surprised. It's actually the Jack-O-Lantern, which, um, Adam, do you recall what happens with the Jack-O-Lantern later on in Spidey history? Oh, uh, vaguely. I think he dies at one point, but I think like every Spider-Man villain died at one point. Um, Doesn't the punisher get him actually no what happens is jack-o-lantern jack-o-lantern becomes hobgoblin too oh yeah yes once roderick kingsley dies uh jack-o-lantern is the hobgoblin so okay i thought for some reason punisher kills him in uh civil war oh you know what you know what okay that might be it could have been after Roger Stern came back and fixed the story. I don't know what happened, but right. either Jason McIndale went back to being Jack O'Lantern, or maybe that was a different Jack O'Lantern. That might have been that might have been Jack O'Lantern. Possibly. Too. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> how but anyway. many Jack O'Lanterns yeah. are there? This is what I'm wondering about. I know how many hobgoblins, how many green yeah. goblins, right? But anyway, I really like Jack O'Lantern. I think it's such a fun, goofy villain, and like right. he's riding around on this like. <laughs> weird like round ufo right it kind, of, it, it kind of looks like those like i don't know if you guys ever had them as a kid but it's like a round disc with like two balls on either side oh you mean a pogo to, ball like, the pogo, pogo ball yeah. yeah of course it's totally just a pogo ball that is right. exactly what i thought about when i first saw it yeah. in this issue and the thing is yeah. is um what's it called Steve McNiven, who's a great artist who drew Civil War, actually complained about having to draw. There's this one ending splash page where it's kind of like the big reveal of all the supervillains standing there. And one of them was Venom, I think, and one of them was someone else. And he was kind of laughing at Jack-O-Lantern. He's like, yeah, I had to draw this guy Jack-O-Lantern with a, a, a pumpkin head that's on fire. And I'm like, yeah. What's wrong with that? I mean, all these other guys are equally as ridiculous. Jack yeah, Lantern actually sure. looks pretty cool, right? Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, Spider-Man in, in this book, uh, not this issue, but in this you know series, has fought a, a character that's that was just like shot hula hoops from his body. Right. The ringer. Jack Lantern's not ridiculous in the slightest. Exactly. To some of the others, so. And, and you know what else? If you think of like every bat, every superhero having kind of like a theme to their villains, you think of, you know, Superman's villains are usually a little bit science fictiony. Maybe there's an alien or a computer or something in there. Batman villains are usually co- closer to like Dick Tracy or like Alice in Wonderland type characters. And I always think of Superman characters, or, or sorry, I always think of Spider-Man characters as being sort of like a Halloween theme. Like, you think about the Green Goblin, 
right? You think about yeah. the Hobgoblin, Dr. Octopus. Well, maybe not him. But I, I don't know. A lot of his villains sort of have this, um, I don't know, like this monster look to them. Right. But not, I think... But the, go ahead. Yeah. I think that, like, for me, what I always thought about for, for Spider-Man's villains were, like, they're always connected to him. They true, always true. have something to do with his personal life. Like, they're always tied in. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Kirk Connors is his professor. Yes. Uh, Green Goblin is, like, one of his best friend's fathers. You know, 100%. like, it's it's kind of like they're always – they always end up being tied in with him. And I think that adds – um, to the story a lot and it yep. really kind of defines who Spider-Man is because he he can never catch a break just unlike any other superhero like his personal life and his superhero life is always a mess and they mm-hmm. always kind of like cross lines and everything goes to shit for him so I, I that's that's always what comes to mind when I think of his like group of villains right mm-hmm. right Okay, so let's jump into the story. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 254. Okay, so basically we're uh, catching up with where we left off last month or last week. Basically the Hobgoblin's van is in the Hudson River. It's being fished out. And then we cut over to this. It's funny because, again, even though I've read this story, I forgot. But we cut over to this shot of a, sh- a guy in shadows um, who's communicating with some guys pardon me, who are kind of undercover helping recover this this van. And we've got a shot of the pumpkin in the foreground. And so I thought, oh, is this Tom DeFalco's sneaky way of saying this is the Hobgoblin? Like, obviously it's the Hobgoblin, so why bother trying to cover it up? Right. But no, I was wrong. It's not the Hobgoblin. But anyway, um, you know, and then, of course, Spider-Man or Peter Parker still having issues with um, Aunt May. Aunt May is snubbing him because she found out that Peter Parker dropped out of grad school, Right. So she's all pissed off. But meanwhile, there's all these guys working undercover to help Jack-O-Lantern get this van. And so they're kind of like, you know, distracting people on the street and uh, kind of working to steal this battle van out from under their noses, which they do manage to do. Meanwhile, uh, Peter Parker is, you know, doing his Peter Parker stuff back at the Daily Bugle. He ends up... um, tracking down this van, realizing what's going on. And then, of course, he ends up confronting, surprise, it's Jack-O-Lantern. Like we said earlier, it's not Green Goblin, it's Jack-O-Lantern. So he has uh, one of his typical fights with uh, Jack-O-Lantern, fisticuffs all around the city. A pretty decent fight. Not as good as it would have been if it was Roger Stern and uh, John Romita Jr., but still solid, right? We get some little mm-hmm. in-jokes, little Marvel in-jokes with some G.I. Joe figures, like they end up kind of, they spill, the, the fight spills into a shopping mall, right? I think. Right, yeah, they're in like a big toy store. Right, so they end up and... knocking over some G.I. Joe toys. Sorry, go ahead. Well, they're not even G.I. Joe, they're like Captain America and Iron Man action figures. Well, no, it says G.I. Joe, though. It says G.I. Oh, Joe, Real yeah, they, yeah, yeah, sorry, you're right, earlier yeah. it said G.I. Joe. <laughs> and yet... they, but... mm-hmm. Oh, no, go ahead. But yeah, they, they do end up like knocking over some of like the Marvel hero action figures as well. Um, right, right. Like a page or two later. Right, okay, yep. And so, and meanwhile, there's a subplot where Nathan Lubinsky, who's Aunt May's new um, sort of fiancé or whatever he is, boyfriend, he has arranged to try and patch up the differences between Aunt May and Peter Parker by secretly arranging a dinner, you know, with the three of them so that they can all get together and chat. 
And Peter Parker promises he's going to be there, but because he runs into the jack-o'-lantern, right? And is that he ends up taking too much time fighting him. So by the time he gets to the restaurant, Aunt May's already gone. Nathan Lubinsky's like, so you finally got here, did you? Wow, you're too late. Your aunt left over an hour ago. In tears, I stayed behind to give you a piece of my mind. So he's kind of like, you know, chewing out Peter Parker, and then he's kind of storm. Well, he doesn't storm off because he's in a wheelchair, but he wheels off. And then we get a classic recreation of like a Steve Ditko type idea where Steve Ditko would draw like an image of Spider-Man either separating Peter from a girl or hovering over in the background. But in this case, it's the black costume Spider-Man hovering in the background, right? As we see that Spider-Man has once again interfered in Peter Parker's personal life. And then that's it. The end for now. Awesome. Yeah, so Adam was... Pel- yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, so go ahead. You can. Uh, you I was can just gonna say Josh. this was a great ending. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's really all I had to say. I just wanted to kind of bounce off. Yes. Uh, that story. It's yeah, really, really strong ending. And like we said before, Tom DeFalco is definitely, you know, recreating as much as he can the vibe of the Stanley uh, era of Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. some might say he goes a little, pushes a little bit too close, or gets a little bit too close. But I, I'm still enjoying it. So Adam, what is your impression of this uh, story? Oh. Uh... I did not like it at all. Okay. (laughs) And it only gets worse from here. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, I just... This felt like one of those one-and-done issues where nothing's really accomplished. Mm -hmm. Even the the little character bit with Peter and Nathan. For me, nothing was accomplished with that. There was this idea that Spider-Man is again getting in the way of Peter Parker's life, but... It wasn't Peter being selfish for being Spider-Man or neglecting duties. He was trying to stop a supervillain from taking a van away. I mean, he had priorities here. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't seem like there was that good of character work with him. Uh And I'm going to digress a little bit and disagree with you guys. I'm actually not a fan of Jack-O-Lantern. Ah, okay. And (laughs) And my reasoning is... If you want Green Goblin as your villain, just have someone wear the Green Goblin suit. <laughs> you know, you could have an interesting character design with uh, a guy with a jack-o'-lantern head that's flaming, that's cool, but do something unique. He's a certified Green Goblin slash Hobgoblin clone. There's just nothing distinctive about his character, I find. And there's no tension. I never once felt that Peter Parker was in danger in this entire issue. I will give you that. I think one problem a lot of these writers have, especially in this era, is for some reason they try to make Spider-Man so powerful and and able to easily defeat all these villains. And you're right. It just completely gets rid of the tension. The whole idea should always be that the villain is more powerful than the hero. And then the hero has to use his wits, right, to get out of or, or to defeat the villain, like do something unique every time, not just be able to bat him off with one punch and kind of laugh at him as he's doing it, right? Exactly. I have one other criticism I just want to bring up, and I'm sure it's resolved in some future issue or some tie-in, but why does the jack-o'-lantern need a van? I mean, you have the technology to make a flaming pumpkin head, and you have a flying disc. You have lasers that come out of your fingers, Mm. and you need a van with a gun on it. I I just I don't understand Mm. the motivation for that. I see. I always saw uh, Jack Lantern as like a hobgoblin or green goblin copycat, and that was 
that van, I assume, used to belong to the Green Goblin because Hobgoblin had been using it mm-hmm. um, previously. So I think that's why he wanted to get his hands on it. It wasn't completely clear, but I, my mind must have just kind of like made that connection on its own. Um, but you're right. I, I think that his motivations are pretty weak in this issue. Um, I do think that the point of him being able to defeat Jack-O-Lantern so easily is to show that the suit is making him stronger and more powerful um, because they even make note of that early on, how um, easy it is for him to, to defeat him and then how Jack-O-Lantern even says like, oh my god, the, la- the last time I uh, I fought him, he wasn't this strong or fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if they're building up to that, you know, reveal of the symbiote being uh, both like a positive and a negative for Peter and mm-hmm. ultimately being like too powerful and him, him getting rid of it. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, here's the thing. I, I, I definitely analyze, you know, superhero comics, but I do think that uh, that's one of those things I can just forgive. I don't really think about it that I don't care that much. You know what I mean? Hmm. Maybe that's on me. I don't know. But let's talk about the art for a second here. Uh, I love the art in this issue, even though I don't think the inks were necessarily totally suited to Rick Leonardi's style. But, um, Adam, what is your impression of the art, of the pencils, at least, in this issue? Um, there are some points where they looked really good. There's a real sense of uh, dynamics going on. But then there are points where it feels almost too exaggerated. Um, exaggerated almost to the point where it gets a little bit sloppy. And I'm looking at digital page 20 as an example of this. Okay, one second here, let's see. Right in the middle of the fight scene, there's this sequence, uh, yeah, where Peter punches uh, the jack-o'-lantern. His head is in an angle where it should not be. Oh, jack-o'-lantern's head is almost like backwards. And then you go to the final panel on the bottom right, and Peter... I know Spider-Man is supposed to go in some very athletic-looking, unusual positions, but there is just something almost contortionist-like about the way Peter is just casually sitting against the wall in that panel, Mm -hmm. where it's nitpicky, but there's elements like that that just throw me off about the art Mm. every once in a while. And my usual umbrage with just art of this style from this era is the lack of background detail for the most part. Huh. I didn't really notice that. I mean... Uh, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I do definitely think the inker is not great. So it is possible that the inker is not doing as good a job as another inker might have done. Right. Um, but I also think that like the digital redraw and the restoration doesn't do it any favors either. Oh no! Uh, because the the version that like the the one the version that we are reading it's like that updated two thousand and whatever uh version of the comic that. Marvel kind of like redrew and recolored. Well, no, they don't redraw. They, they they would they might re they might touch. Well, the, up would, they would trace. Comic. I'm assuming that they would. Yeah, like the, no, there'd be at this point there would be no redrawing because they have all the original negatives of everything and all the original art. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, they would only have that for like 60s comics where they were like throwing they were like throwing original art out and like using <laughs> it to write phone numbers and putting their coffee on. But by this point, they would have right. everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just think that um, 
I don't know, like, even if you look at, like, I'm trying to find, okay, like, for example, once you get to Spidey in costume, uh, around, like, 13, 14, 15, I don't know, like, some of these images, again, look kind of, like, you know, even the parts where you were talking about, Adam, like, they do look kind of sketchy and, like, a little bit rushed, but if you look at the underlying anatomy, I think it's clear that Rick Leonardi, even though it's distorted, I still think he knows exactly what he's doing, and if there's any weaknesses... I think it's just because the inker, who's, you know, technically all we're seeing is what the inker is inking. So I yes. think he's almost ruining mm. the art a little bit by not really knowing anatomy himself, right? I could see that. And, uh, you know, I will say, at least sequentially, the panels do flow really well. That's something I don't want to take away from Leonardi. Um, right. You know, I want to say that the art is very serviceable and there are moments where I think it's exceptional and has a real great dynamic to it. Just overall, it's not my favorite artistic style. This isn't my favorite Spider-Man artist. Um, right. Although there are little details like on digital page 17 where Hobgoblin is bouncing, or I'm saying Hobgoblin, I'm jumping ahead, where Jack-O-Lantern bumping off of uh, walls and there's an old guy in a wife beater kind of shaking his fist at him. I, I love those little details. Those are great. Right, right. So I'm going to say this was definitely my favorite issue of the week. Yeah, uh, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, again, not as good as Roger Stern and John Romita Jr., but still fun. And not classic, but I would recommend it. Uh, Josh, would you recommend this issue? Yeah, I would recommend it. It's pretty fun, and and I think I I personally like the stuff with Peter and his personal life and right. Aunt May being mm. upset, and I I really like the ending, particularly the last panel of the issue. So yeah, uh, for me it would be a recommend. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Ooh, you know, <laughs> can I go in between? Can I go like a sure. maybe if you have nothing else to read? Yeah. Uh, it's not the strongest issue of Amazing during the right. uh, black costume storyline, that's for sure. But I think it's serviceable. It's a great, you know, it's a good one and done. I'll put it that way. Right. N not a must read, but if you have the time and it stumbles across your periphery, you may as well. Sure. Uh, I guess I can only say this may not be the greatest Spider-Man story, but at least it is a Spider-Man story, which is good by any other measurement, right? That's what I think anyway, because I love Spidey. But anyway, okay, so let's move forward. Now we're gonna jump to, oh, here we go, Josh, this one's for you. Joshua Mervell, tell us uh, what our next comic is. I am going to blast through this synopsis. I'm going as fast as I possibly can, because this this issue, we're, we're, we're gonna be talking about Marvel team up with Spider-Man and Star Fox, uh, issue number 143. And it's just like needlessly complicated. So I tried my best to actually write out what happens um, because it's just like so much is thrown at, out at you. And just like with the rest of the Marvel team ups, like it's just everything is way over explained and there is too much dialogue happening where like I lose things from word bubble to word bubble just because like so much is just thrown out there and it's mostly just right, gibberish. Right, right, right. So, uh, we pick back up with Spider-Man as he tries to figure out why his friend Monica Rambeau, aka Captain Marvel, is stuck in her energy form. They realize that her physical form is probably trapped in another, in another dimension after foiling the plans of Dr. Paulson and Dr. Lorber to transport half of Earth's population to another world in the previous issue. So, just as all hope seems lost, 
Monica's Avenger buddy Star Fox joins them with Dr. Lorber in custody. Now, with the information that uh, he provides, they're able to um, figure out that they've got to jump to another dimension to stop the Pride Machine um, and return safely back to restore Captain Marvel's body because they're thinking that, like, her power has to do with, like, dimension uh, Mm -hmm. jumping and, like, her energy form and her human body... Tra- like like swap dimensions every time she like uses her powers right. so they're thinking that the machine this pride machine that they used last year, last issue is stopping her from being able to change back and forth mm-hmm. so um they so star fox and spider-man jump to another dimension and they learn that the pride machine is now being used as a force field by an all-woman tribe called the elysian they agree to shut off the machine if they can defeat a rival tribe that they're protecting themselves from using the force field. So the next day, they decide to go confront and stop these bad guys when Star Fox, of course, just falls ill. Because why not? More stuff needs to happen in the issue. <laughs> uh, and Spider-Man is forced to fight their leader, the Will Killer, alone. Uh, they fight a little bit. Spider-Man flips him off a cliff, and uh, the Elysian tribe is able to um, like live in peace, and there's no war in this other dimension. So they uh, shot off the machine. Uh, Spidey and Star Fox uh, return back to Earth only only after Star Fox decides to like fall in love with one of the women. They return back to Earth, and Captain Marvel Monica Rambeau has been restored. Woof. It's it's a lot. Like it's just Rough. so yeah, it's it's so so much happens and it's just like nonsense. Nothing nothing matters in this issue. It's just muddled garbage. Well, my I'll just say quickly my first impression is not only did I hate it, but I hated it more so because they had to, why did Captain Marvel have to be saved by Spider-Man and Star Fox? That really irritated me, you know? It's you're right. Like, Why couldn't she go along too? Like, right. If, if she would, let's sense, be clear. If she was a if she was a male hero, she would. Th- this she would, would not have there. happened this way. She would have been there. Yeah. No, um, totally. Yeah. Yeah, Adam. So, what's your impression of this issue? Well, I'm very disappointed because right. this isn't my Star Fox. My Star Fox is on Nintendo 64. I'm being told to do barrel rolls. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I had to do the obvious line. Okay. <laughs> I hate Star Fox. It is. Oh, everyone does. Yep. Oh, my God. And this whole thing where all the women are attracted to him because he has mm-hmm. that psychic ability to manipulate people's emotions, I guess it is. It's just so dumb. Nothing of consequence happens at all in this issue. It's almost as if someone said, you know, we want to do an issue where Spider Man travels to another dimension. But we also want it to be like Mad Max. Right. Which sounds yeah. horrible, and trust me, was horrible. There's this <laughs> weird scene where this 11-year-old girl, I want to say, hits on Spider-Man it, right, out right. of nowhere. Um, and then Will, what is his name? Will Power, Will Killer, whatever his name Will is. Will Killer, yeah. Oh, my God. This guy, talk about forgettable adversaries. He's just a guy with a ponytail. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I don't really understand why Spidey had so much trouble with this dude. I, I don't like, remember there being anything special about him, right? Like, he just was a big dude. 
He's just a big buff guy. He's like the ultimate yeah. warrior, essentially. You know, here's the thing. I it's funny because this was written by David Michelinie, who, you know, has a very good run on Iron Man and, and future run on Spider Man. But this is this feels like an old issue of Marvel Team Up, right? By J.M. DeMatteis, yeah. where they would just throw crap at a wall and see what stuck. Like, what? why does Spider-Man need to be in this story? Why is it basically Mad Max? Like, it is Mad Max. It's just them doing Mad Max. As soon as they ended up in another dimension, I just rolled my eyes. Like, why? Yeah. Why? Why does this need to happen? And, and, you know, at first I thought it was a little bit interesting with them trying to figure out what happened to uh captain marvel's powers is like oh they, they kind of do a little bit of um not not detective work but kind of figuring out oh well so maybe this device is stuck between dimensions and i thought that is a that's a cool idea but let's be clear like scientifically another dimension they could have used a lot more imagination than just saying oh they're just on another planet that looks exactly like earth except everyone's dressed like they're in a duran duran video you know <laughs> so i don't know yeah i did not like this at all i didn't like Star Fox. oh i didn't like anything <laughs> yeah uh, let's... Th there's so much that they could have done like i mean even like an alternate dimension new york would have been so much more fun right and they could yeah. have been fighting like bizarro versions of themselves right you know like See, anything or, or, right i don't know yeah, like use your imagination like, okay, it's a different dimension. So when you say dimension, it literally means, you know, length, width, breadth. Was it breadth? Whatever, depth. And then you right. think, okay, then time. Okay, so if you're in the fifth dimension, let's let's have some, use your imagination and do something cool with like, an, a, like a Tesseract or an MC Escher type thing where you're, you, you know, it's extra dimensions. Or like you said, if it's a parallel Earth, then... Let's do, yeah, post-apocalyptic New York or something. But this is just yeah. an excuse. This is almost like a bad episode of Star Trek where they're like, well, we don't have the budget for anything else. So let's just, how about they find a planet where it's ancient Rome? There you go. It's Earth, but it's ancient Rome. Like, it, you know, those stories are fun. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, those those are the bad episodes of Star Trek. And that's right. what I feel like this is, you know? Yeah. This actually reminded me of, of anything of the 60s Spider-Man cartoon when they stopped basing episodes off of actual issues and they would just have Peter Parker, Spider-Man fighting aliens or interdimensional yeah. beings. I'm, I'm sure you get my reference, what I'm talking yeah. about. It yes. would just be uh, 20 minutes of stock footage of Spider-Man walking, having aliens chase after him. These episodes that felt like any other character would be better suited for this type of story than Spider-Man. And they're boring. That's the greatest yep. sin about it. This issue was boring. I, I I will tell you, one time I had oral surgery to remove my wisdom teeth, and that was a more pleasant experience than reading this issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. might have to agree with that. This was, yeah, this was frustrating, not just because it was a bad story, but because, I, I don't know, it's just a waste of space, you know? Like, why do they even, why do they need to tell this story? They didn't. Oh, it's no, it's a bad story. It's okay. Yep. It's bad. Uh, I do want to briefly mention, though, the art was actually decent. Uh, I, I mean, we've talked about Greg LaRock before, and he's not a spectacular artist, but I think Ma Mike Esposito's inks really helped this month. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I actually liked... I didn't mind the art at all this, this month. Uh, Josh, what did you think? No, I think that the art was fine, but it's... <laughs> It's hard to enjoy the art when there's dialogue covering 
it all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's there's just so much describing what is happening and not showing us. And yep. like I know I know I know we're talking specifically about the art, but it's just so hard to separate the two when they're right. when one is covering the other. And right. and the dialogue and like describing what we're looking at kind of defeats the purpose of the art. Right, 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 right. It's just like I, I don't know. I, I think Marvel Team Up has always struggled with this, with this like over describing or like describing what we're already looking at. Right. So it was just, it was tough for me to even enjoy the art when I was just trying to like power through the, the story. <laughs> you know, okay, Adam, did you like the art? Uh, I'm going to agree with Mike. I thought the art was actually pretty good in fact mm -hmm. i would say more than serviceable i actually like this art in this mm -hmm. issue i agree that the inking really helps mm -hmm. here's the problem though you have really great sequentially placed panels really good artwork it's dynamic great character models and designs great facial expressions the characters are distinct you can tell them apart and going back to josh's point it's ruined by excessive dialogue bubbles. It's ruined by mm -hmm. an incomprehensible story. This is one of those situations where you can talk about, let's say a film that has beautiful cinematography, but it just has someone going eh, 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 right. for half an hour. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter how beautiful it is. You're not gonna wanna watch the bloody thing. Yep, yep. Um, I, I gotta point out this opening splash page is actually excellent. It, rem it looks like like Bill Sienkiewicz to me, right? Like. This opening oh. shot of Captain Marvel, I think it's it's it was so good that I thought it wasn't Greg LaRock and Mike Esposito. I thought it was Bill Sienkiewicz, but sure enough, it is them. Um, so it obviously shows that they're both capable of great work, but yeah, it's wasted on the story. And I have to say that in the last few years, since I've discovered Comixology and other you know uh, digital platforms for comics... I have read so many goddamn comics. Like sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to read every Captain Marvel and I'll just read like 30 issues in a row. But I'll tell you after the first few, sometimes they get really rough and I start to just skim. But for the most part, the art is always good. And so I have actually guilt, like guilt free, just been like, you know what? I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to look at the art. And this is an issue where I could just, it's almost like watching a movie with the sound off. You just ignore the text and you just look at the art and like, yeah, this is cool. You know, you kind of get what's going on and that's about it. So that's really all it's worth is the art, this issue. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, and I can see what you're saying. Even looking at an example such as page uh, 22, digital page 22, there's this great layout for the panels. As Will Killer is falling down the cliff, right. there's this great uh, declination, uh, declining of all these different panels going down. I, I think yep. stylistically, I think in terms of conveying that sequential movement of the panels, it works so well and it's creative. I just... I hate the fact that it's paired with this story. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what? It's Ooh. as if you had a plate of broken glass and it was slathered in hot fudge. Oh, I love some hot fudge, but I have to get through that broken glass to enjoy it. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I think it's safe to say, ooh, do I recommend this comic? Uh, not really. Do I ever want to read it again? No. So I guess, no, I can't recommend it. Josh, do you recommend it? Um, how about I just say this? This issue 
This is the reason why there are only seven more issues of Marvel Team Up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> this, yep. this is why. Uh huh. I hope it gets better. But anyway, uh, Adam, do you recommend this issue? Um, for people who hate themselves, yes. Otherwise, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go, you self-loathing people out there. This is for you. So, yeah, unfortunately, another dud from Marvel team-up, like Josh said. We can definitely see why it was um, canceled. Although, I don't know why Star Fox didn't fire up the uh, sales enough to keep it going. But who knows, right? <laughs> what do we know? Uh, okay, so now we're going to jump to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 92. Adam, would you like to do the honors of summarizing this issue quickly? Well, I'll do my best. Essentially, it opens up with a mysterious figure engaged with Kingpin who is assigning him to tackle Spider-Man and also see about this experiment that's been conducted on Alicia Hardy, a.k.a. the Black Cat. So, Felicia Hardy uh, is also Peter Parker's view at this point. There's a great opening shot where they're kissing upside down underneath a water tower, and you get some good character moments between the two of them. Uh, She goes off and then... We have a bit of Flash Thompson and his girlfriend that really goes nowhere. Uh, Then some other Peter Parker shenanigans where things go even worse for Peter than expected. More than normal. His bad luck just seems to be bounding between having an argument with Robbie, uh, having a check bounce, and various other things that go on. Well, then while he's trying to catch some sleep, Black Hat comes up to his window, says she's being attacked, where they are met with the most ridiculous villain I've ever met in a Spider-Man comic book, which is saying something. The answer. The answer is like, how do I describe this? Imagine Liberace and and Cobra Kai somehow formed and decided to make a purple-robed supervillain whose power is he flaps his arms and he punches very fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to say I, there's a little bit more to him than that, but it's it's bad. It's bad. There's a fight between Spider-Man and the answer, which I could have done without seeing. And after the answer pummels Spider-Man, Black Hat intervenes. It looks like he's defeated, but he gets out of Spidey's web. Spidey and Alicia Hardy have a nice little kissing moment under the web, and then we go back to Kingpin, talking to the answer where it's revealed the Black Cat has bad luck powers, which Uh are apparently affecting Spider-Man, which Mm -hmm. immediately made me facepalm myself, and uh, Mm -hmm. that thus ended the issue. Yep. Uh, I just want to say quickly, I hate the idea of bad luck powers specifically because I don't believe luck exists. So unless you can define scientifically what that means, like does it make people clumsy? Well, no, because I think we've seen her power affect like inanimate objects, right? So it doesn't make people clumsy. So how do you define what luck is? That's why I hate that power. Number one, Right. whenever I see a villain, like the answer, I go, okay, what is your, th-? you know, we talked about jack-o'-lantern earlier. It's like, okay, what's your theme? Like, Okay, because first of all, there's a, there, there's a character called The Question, right? Which is, okay, we've got a guy in a trench coat 
right? Which is he's the precursor for Rorschach, a guy in a trench coat with a blank face with a question mark on his face. So he's a vigilante. He's kind of got, got this, you know, uh, sort of Randian philosophy. Okay, cool. Makes sense. So here's the answer. Uh, okay, so my theme is I have big baggy, you know, uh, sleeves and a yellow skirt on. Nothing wrong with that. But in a yellow, like, you know, like a uh, collar. Like, what? what is the theme here? Like, you yeah, look at this and he, you go, what are you? He's got, like, big metal boots, too. Yeah, like, what are you and, going like... for? Actually, you know what's funny? Now that I think about it, the only other character I can think of in, in superhero history who has sleeves like this is Firestorm. And sure enough, his costume was also designed by Al Milgram. Isn't that oh. funny? Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't that funny? So, but but I gotta say I do love Firestorm's costume, so I can't I can't dis Al Milgram's <laughs> sleeve choices. But anyway, right? But it, it, I guess it kind of makes sense with like fire powers, and it's like right. the heat will make it. Sure, it's like a hot air balloon type. What's going on with him? He can just fly, I guess, because he's got the big sleeves. Uh, he also has a gigantic exclamation mark on his chest. Right, right, which is right. On top of everything, yes, his costume is an exclamation mark because you go, "What the hell?" As soon as yeah, you see I know. this guy. Yeah, right. Also, right. a big ass gold collar surrounding his neck. There is like a discount supervillain clothes store that he right. just ransacked one night. That's all right. I can think of. Right. And you know, the thing is, is like this costume is not in and of itself bad like it but well, it, it looks like it, it's suited to like an alien race or something science fictiony but i i don't know i mean I, again maybe we're thinking too hard about how a supervillain should dress but at least with jack-o'-lantern or green goblin or dr octopus there's a theme and an idea behind what they're doing but when you're just called the answer and this is what you come up with i just don't see a connection there i don't see a theme you know uh okay yeah, <laughs> yeah like, okay so let's talk about the art quickly uh adam what do you think about this art here by al milgram um i have mixed feelings there's some places where i actually really enjoy it i mm. love the uh character design in some places uh there are a few awkward poses here and there but for the most part it's serviceable then the fight sequence goes on and maybe it's just because of my hatred of this particular villain but it just doesn't seem dynamic. There's something very stiff about this fight scene, especially compared to the jack-o'-lantern fight over in Amazing. Right. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe exactly what it is, but there's just something that's lacking any sense of urgency going on. Um, yeah, it, it's serviceable. I appreciate that there's more background elements than I'm accustomed to from comics of this era, but it wasn't wowing. I'll put it that way. Right. Uh, Josh, I mean, we've talked about Al Milgram. Yeah. So we've been blue I, in the face. What do you think of this art? I feel like particularly it gets maybe the worse it's been uh, <laughs> okay. in, in some <laughs> spots. Like like with the fight scenes, I mean, Spider-Man just like loses all form and like <laughs> his proportions are so extremely off. I mean, even the shape of his head, like – his head is now just a balloon that is attached to a torso. Like, if you go to original page 12, the first panel of Spider-Man, what is that? <laughs> like, it looks like he forgot to draw Spider-Man's head and went, oh, shit. I, yeah, uh, just throw a dot on there real yeah, quick. His, like, it's his just neck so, is coming from his shoulder. Yeah. It's yeah. so bad. I mean, even earlier on when the form is like – 
<laughs> at least a little bit more there there's no shadows like there's no highlights there's nothing like in the previous issues with the black costume they use the um they use blue to highlight and show like a shine on his body and for the most part he's just like a giant black blob in half of the panels where he has the black costume on you know another great example of that i think is on digital page 15 which is original page 14 um the very top panel we have answer just doing some sort of Raiden-style Superman punch, and Spider-Man apparently has lost his bones. They have all turned right. to jelly. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's, yeah. By the way, what the hell are these characters or these kids? Is this supposed to be a reference to something? I, on page I think 14? they're just playing cowboys and Indians, I assume. It just seems like a very specific... Like just, isn't it the you know, like it's almost Crockett? Like, right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, that's the impression. Maybe, but like these kids dressed as Davy Crockett, like I wonder if it's a specific TV show or a movie or I don't know. It just seems lost on me. I don't know what they're getting at there, but who knows? Maybe it's nothing. I don't know. I got to say, again, we've talked about this before. Jim Jim Mooney is one of the best Spider-Man anchors and I really think he does save the art. I don't think the art's terrible. I think this opening sequence and the ending sequence are definitely Al Milgram trying to do a Frank Miller, you know, with you know mm-hmm. the shadows and the and the the windows, like the film noir window shadows on the faces. I don't hate it. Uh, I definitely think it's better than Al Milgram's Hulk run, which I found unreadable. So, I, and I appreciate him doing the nine panel, the classic nine panel grid '50s style. That's cool. Um, you know, you're 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 going through the pages, and nothing spectacular is happening. But I do appreciate, you know, again doing the routine of J. Jonah Jameson, Robbie Robertson. Uh, you know, the check, what was it? The check bouncing. I love that stuff. So I, I feel like this issue, it's not a great issue of Spider-Man, but again, at least it's a Spider-Man comic. Whereas Marvel team up, that wasn't really a Spider-Man comic. That was a Mad Max. And this is what, this is what I want from Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man to have a check bouncing, you know, a little bit of melodrama with the, his supporting cast, a little bit of fight again, not spectacular, not a masterpiece, but kind of, a a quaint issue of 80s Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So I mildly recommend it. I don't love it, but I recommend it. Uh, Adam, do you recommend this issue? Um, I don't know. I, I have a few. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say, I want, not to go on a tangent, but I really hate the bad luck powers as well. And right. it's all about suspension of disbelief. Yes, I can believe Peter is wearing an alien life form on his body. I can believe that being bitten by a radioactive spider will give you powers. There is nothing to indicate why someone would go underneath a scientific experiment that would give them bad luck. It's not magic. Right. It's nothing like that. It's literally something that's supposed to be akin to like what the scorpion went through. It's a scientific experiment that gave her these powers. That makes no sense. Right. So I hate that element. The art's not that great. This is the most laughable villain I've ever encountered. What was the other guy? Stiltman, Stilter. Oh, Stiltman. That's Mike Dell's favorite supervillain. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I would rather see him fight Stiltman any day of the week. Um, I, I will say this. This is not nearly as bad as Marvel Team Up because I didn't want to quite right. gouge out my eyes after. But right, right. Um, this was this was not good. This was like. When you're a kid and you're expecting to find a toy inside your box of cereal and instead a dead cockroach comes out. That's how I'm going to put it. 
Yeah, that's pretty rough. Uh, Josh, anything to add to that? Um, I mean, what else is there to say? I, 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 I'll give you. I think that the last page is the is the best thing about this comic. Um, it looks the art is really well done, and I always love me some Kingpin. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just another issue of absolutely nothing happening. Uh-huh. Since before, um, since before Secret Wars, mm-hmm. Black Cat has had these cost- uh, had these powers, and every single time, uh, every single month, we have Black Cat saying, "I'm gonna, I have to talk to to Peter. I need to tell him that I got powers," and still nothing happens. Every issue, it's the same thing with Spectacular. They 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 <laughs> yep. show a problem. The characters say, I really need to tell the other person this. And then for issue upon issue upon issue upon issue, it's the same thing. Man, I really should tell the other person that this is going on. And I'm just like so done with it. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I would almost prefer Marvel team up because at least new things are happening. They're bad, no, but it's I'll not the same that. thing over and over again. Yeah, this, I'll know. If this, was like, if this was the first time hearing about this like conflict between the two i don't think Mm -hmm. i i would hate it as much as i do but because it's the same thing every every week it's just like Mm -hmm. uh i'm over it well josh i hate to spoil things but being familiar with this run i got some bad news for you about the next issue it's the same thing it's it's basically the same thing yeah basically with the same (laughs) characters Yeah. including the return of our favorite yeah. answer so but anyway oh, i'll let good. you talk about that on the next podcast <laughs> yeah that's right yeah so not i'm assuming you guys both do not recommend this issue then no, no. right okay so i don't know this was a rough one uh i appreciate you joining us adam because like i said we're kind of going through a rough patch here i was excited about the alien costume but whoo uh it hasn't been too pleasant so far but hopefully it's gonna pick up we'll see right you know know. i guess i want to give you my two cents on this just very quickly um rereading some of the stuff for the alien costume saga i really really was just struck by how uninspired the writers were were continuously reading issues just not the ones for this episode but some other ones surrounding it it was just the writers going isn't this costume cool? Look at how great it is. Really mm-hmm. trying to convince readers of how good it is. Meanwhile, that was not the case. They were failing to give any sort of urgency to his villains or the storylines going on at the time. And uh, all I can say is, I think it comes to a head, again, plugging your next episode in the <laughs> next issue of Amazing, where it is the most memorable issue of the alien costume saga for me, where Spider-Man fights monkeys but i will leave that for you for next week i can't wait okay i guess well that wraps up another issue or episode of here comes the spider cast we definitely want to thank adam pelche for joining us again especially considering the low quality of the issues this week so thank you (laughs) adam Oh, you owe me. (laughs) yeah we promise the next time you come on we'll we'll have a better batch of comics for you how about that Mm mm-hmm it's gonna be the clone saga isn't it i can feel it right now no 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 we'll have you on we'll have you on before the clone saga believe me but yeah thanks again and okay, uh but yeah you're welcome. go ahead oh, i just wanted to say uh yeah joking aside thank you so much guys 
For sure. Anytime, yeah, anytime. Uh, and Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah, we also want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, it really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Uh, you can pretty much find the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, so that's like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, YouTube, any, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. So uh, please leave a comment or review. It really helps us, and we want to keep that conversation going. That's right. And until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. All right. See you then. Oh.